Welcome to another edition of the Business and Personal Podcast, where we bring you closer to the people you do business with. And uh, today I'm actually excited to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Um, we're with Michael Williams of Orchard Children's Services. We're going to talk a lot about adoption and foster care and um, other things that they offer. Uh, Michael's been with them since 2003. He's the president and CEO um, and has all kinds of great stories and information to share that I think will uplift you all uh, if you listen to this podcast. So, Michael, first of all, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So let's kind of start at the top, Michael. Uh, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about you and why you are with Orchard Children's Services and have been with them so long. Well, my, my, my story, and I'll, I'll be brief because I really want to talk about what we do here, but um, I'm originally from Flint, Michigan, which is now known for something totally different than it was when I was grew up in Flint. Um, but it, it, was a, it was a time to really get an anchor. And I had a great mentor that used to tell me to stay a green tomato. And I never understood that. He, he would tell me that from the sixth grade all the way through high school. And after high school, I was going to Albion College. Uh, and he said, he took me out to a tomato. I mean, I'm from the city, so I didn't see a lot of tomatoes. I thought, I thought they actually grew in a grocery store. <laughs> and he showed me the, the green tomatoes. And he asked me what happens when it turns red. And I said, you know, people would pick it. Uh, he said, what happens if they don't pick it? I said, well, it would fall off the vine and rot. Uh, he said, so a red tomato has two options, to be eaten or to, to be getting rotten. So stay a green tomato. That way you'll stay close to the vine, which is a thinking thing, and, and continue to grow, but never allow yourself to be ripe so that you don't grow. And so I went to Albion College. Um, I played basketball there and was a captain uh, for three years, and we finished third in the nation. But more importantly, I learned the value. That was the first time in my life that I was a minority because Flynn, I was in a majority. Uh, so I, I, I learned a lot from different cultures, and um, my aspiration was to go to law school. But that summer after graduation, I started working with children and families, and I decided that would make me happier than meeting other people's expectations of me and being a lawyer. Uh, and I started working with children and families from that point uh, at a residential treatment center. And then I moved. Um, I used to remember the children saying, Mr. Williams, I wish someone had helped us before we got here. And I was trained to say, well, you're here now, deal with it. But what they were really saying is there were things that would have been put in place to prevent them uh, from being uh, in a 24-hour residential treatment center. Uh, we should have done it. And that's when I got contacted by Orchard's Children's Services. And that was the answer to that question. So what we're doing now is really not only trying to prevent children from going into more restrictive settings, but also to empower the families to, take, to, to have their own children and give them the things that they need. Uh, because poverty should not be a reason to lose a child. Uh, if, if the child doesn't have a bed, well, let's not put them in foster care. Let's spend $400 for a bed and, and, and uh, not put them in a position where we're using tax dollars to shelter this kid uh, away. Now, if, if they're really, if, if their cases are abuse and neglect, we want them in, in those situations. But that's what led to my, to my journey here, trying to solve a problem or an issue to keep the kids and families together and Orchard has committed to do so. So I feel really good about the, the track record. I, I serve on a number of boards in the state, um, appointed by the governor, Michigan Health Endowment Fund. I'm the chair of the ethics committee uh, for the city of Westland. So I, I, I stay busy, but I stay busy building communities. And that's what I'm about. But thanks for the opportunity. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just fantastic. I mean, the need for what you do um, and what Orchards does, it's never going to go away. It's always going to be there. It's, it's a constant struggle to find good homes for these children. And, and we're going to talk about all the great things Orchards does as we go through this. But let's go back a little bit first to 60 years ago when Orchards was founded. Kind of let our listeners know uh, how it came about at that time. Yeah, an amazing group of women, the National Council of Jewish Women, are actually our founding mothers. And there was discussion about helping Jewish boys that were having some challenges, and they wanted to make sure that they um, were, were continued to be within the culture, but also understand um, that they needed to have issues to help the families. So it became a residential treatment center in the city of Livonia. It's a home. Uh, depending on who you talk to, there were eight to nine boys there, uh, and uh, Raffle Bromwitz uh, was the designer of that program. Uh, after a year, a gentleman named Jerry Levin came to be, uh, and he saw a need. He said, well, if, if, if Jewish children need this, why don't all children need support? So Jerry was able then to work with the, with the state of Michigan and started our, our foster care program. And we grew uh, over to 500 some odd children. Uh, and unfortunately in 1999, Jerry uh, was over in Israel and unfortunately uh, had a heart attack and, and passed away. So I, that had a great impact because he had been uh, here since 1963. So he had been here over 33 years. So obviously the, uh, the organization was impacted. Then they uh, went uh, to a the person that was the chief uh, operating officer, Deb Dinko. And unfortunately, about a year later, she was diagnosed with cancer and passed away uh, in 2002. And uh, that led to my opportunity to come to an organization um, that really understood that we have to do more to prevent children from being even in, the, in a place where we were. And if they need foster care, if they need adoption, let's make sure we provide the best platform for them to do that. And so we start really developing homes uh, and over the years. But when I came, I, I really wanted to be even more preventative. And that's when family preservation and family preservation uh, I, I got to get a lot of credit to the state of Michigan. It's really invested in federal government uh, and, and to these prevention programs, which are, are less expensive, but more importantly, it keeps the emotional connection that children need and that's a family together. And, and we've grown to be one of the larger family preservation. Uh, so foster care used to be 99.9% of our, of our business. And it's probably about 30% now because we're doing much more prevention and we're in 15 counties. Uh, directly, and we serve over 8,000 children in those counties. But even more importantly, we are able to do adoptions in all 83 counties. So we have people in touching every part of, uh, of Michigan and really want to continue to get the message out. And we work in partnership with a lot of other agencies. We don't do this alone because you can't do anything alone. Uh, the support of our board, our trustees, uh, individuals, uh, former employees, it's all one family. I tell people once you get into the O, o circle, you can't get out of it. So guess what, Ryan? You're in the old circle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I, I'm happy to be in any way possible, any way to spread the word and let people know about what you do. So, so Michael, you kind of touched on, you know, basically there's four pillars for Orchard's Children's Services. You've got foster care adoption, family preservation, education. So you've already touched on family preservation a little bit. Tell our listeners a little bit more exactly what that means and what you do in that regard. The Family Preservation uh, came out of uh, uh, the Strong Family Safe Children Act, uh, and it was 
really a way to say we have a lot of children that are being in situations uh, and challenges for the families that led to children being displaced, one being poverty. Um, and we've said a child should not be removed from home as a result of economic challenges. Let's let's deal with the economic challenges and keep that child intact because as you know, the statistics talk about most kids that even uh, want to return home. Uh, that's just a, the inkling people have, uh, particularly if they're not adopted early in life. So what we did was really look at a, a way through our conversations with children. Our, our children helped design a program more so than we do. It's unfortunate a lot of people that work with children never ask children what they want or need. Uh, and we started to have a conversation with our foster care children and they started helping us to understand you if you had bought me a bed I wouldn't been removed uh, from home and that's what family preservation is a proactive way of uh, looking at ch children and families empowering them whether it's through uh, counseling whether it's through uh, substance abuse issues uh, so sometimes a child needs to be removed just for safety sakes but not on a long-term basis and family preservation does a fantastic job of, of, of really going into that. And I'll use the Families First, uh, which is a program within the construct of the Family Preservation Program. And that program actually spends at least 10 hours with that family. Really intense. Helping mom. And I say mom because typically a lot, a lot of situations, uh, if you remember the downfall of the auto industry, the challenges that occurred, it created a lot of separation. Uh, uh, and when the children were taken by mom, we now go into that home, help her uh, start another career. We, you know, 10 hours a week, we, we get to know the family, what are they eating nutrition wise. We really are helping and we have resources uh, to make sure that they have everything they need to start being viable uh, and also emotionally strong enough to, to raise his or her children. If it could be a whole family, that's not necessarily all women, but that typically is, is the situation. So that's what family preservation does. And that way the child is not removed from home. It stays with the mom. Uh, he or she, they stay with the mom because a lot of times it's more than one child. And we, we engage and we do not uh, use terms like aging out here. Uh, as you know, uh, being a father, uh, when you're, I needed more help in college than I needed in high school. <laughs> so 18 is not a trigger for independence as it was when I grew up, when I had Afro and I did have hair at one point in time, but uh, it grew on my face and not off of my head. But I think it's important to, to recognize what we can do to, to contribute to the positivity of a child's life. And, and that's what Orchis does. How, how do we come from a strength-based perspective versus a deficit-based perspective? And uh, keep encouraging people because, as you know, hope is the fuel that, that leads to success. Um, and the, un, the unknown about oh, these families' lives it's, it's much made clearer when you're pushing them, supporting them, pulling them, uh, and also they're pulling you into what success looks like for a family. And that's what family preser preservation does on a day-to-day -day basis, 24-7. We never close in terms of sometimes the building is closed, but our hearts and our and our workers are, are never unavailable to our families. Well, that's great to know that you have those programs for family preservation, and there's a trend kind of going that way. But as you mentioned, um, that's not going to work in every situation. Sometimes foster care or adoption are just something that needs to happen. So obviously good to be a full service organization that has that to offer as well. So let's just start with maybe a prospective couple 
that's watching this that's looking to adopt perhaps or, or get into foster care. What are some options you have around that right now? Well, we have several. Obviously, if you're interested, you just make sure you contact us. We will definitely do a follow-up within 24 hours. And what that would consist of is a home study. We would do a lot of engagement with you prior to that to really talk to you about the nuances. Uh, there's a intense training to help you better understand what, what's necessary to be effective in an in, in adoption situation. Um, we also make sure that you identify the, the, the age range that you want to work. Everybody doesn't work well with a teenager. Um, and so uh, the newborns are typically what people will want, which understandably so. But there's a lot of people that are looking for uh, older children to, to really be a part of their family, to give them a, a, a support through their high school years. But adoption is, is very, very key. Uh, we, we help train. We, we, we will engage, help you engage with other foster parents. We have a network uh, of adoptive families uh, so that you're not alone because the struggles, but even if you're if your own child, uh, sometimes you just need to call someone and say, how did you deal with this? Here's what he's doing, uh, the emotional challenges. So we also have what we call the ARC program, which is the Adoption Resource, Cons Resource Consultants. And that's through all ages of county. So if you're having challenges with that, we, we said people need support. So that program supports all children, whether they're an orchard's child or not. Um, if they've been adopted, that's a resource available to you all. So we really have ex expanded the amount so, it's, so adoption doesn't become just a silent, I did this for the right reason kind of thing, because you should be put on a pedestal for opening up your hearts and your home. And we make sure that you have the support you need. We don't, obviously, we don't want to say that's adopt a child because once you adopt, that becomes your child. And we, you know, so we don't even put those terms on people, but we do know that there's a process to get to that point. And we are very much there 24 seven to help you through that process, that transition and to become a family, a forever family for our children. And what services do you have available for the children in that interim period of time while they're waiting to be assigned to a family? Well, again, they, 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 in most cases, they're, they're with a foster parent uh, in those situations. And we work on that transition because the relationship they have with their foster parent also is key to part of that, their whole network of support. Uh, for, for us, it was mainly like teachers or pastors. For these children, it's a lot of times it's foster parents have done a really good job but know that they're not going to be there forever so we create a network of support uh a network to have discussions but also uh, sometimes a child may want to reconnect and, and ask questions about things and so uh, we don't make those lines so blurry that they they don't feel like they have someone that they can talk to but also once they're adopted that becomes their family we make sure that they're prepared uh to give all they can uh of their hearts minds and body to, to, to that particular child and vice versa. So we, we feel really honored to, I mean, I've seen, seen that process when a judge says, that's your mom and dad. You, you, you can't imagine how invigorating that is toward the work we do. So uh, every time that we celebrate, we celebrate highly about the adoption. Absolutely. And the fourth pillar, kind of ties into family preservation as well, but you're very proud of the education options that you have. So uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we, again, well, a lot of our growth has been as a result of input from children and what they really need. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me how many organizations are in this nation that work with children, but they never talk to children about what they need. 
because they're too we're too busy sometimes as adults designing programs without input and when kids don't like it they say well the kids don't appreciate well orchards is just the opposite we let we let the class of 16 year olders in 2021 tell us what it's like to be 16 in 2021 and it's a lot different than 16 years old when i was growing up a lot different than you and we make we make them experts uh, see and even a dog agrees uh, we make them experts on um their lives and what they, they can do to control their lives so we we really have a youth board that really serves as an advisory board and that's children from all areas from, from the most affluent to the most impoverished family we come together once a month and we have discussions there service group um we we work with them to learn the value of service helping others uh, but more importantly they start having conversations about their life experiences uh, so the child is struggling in school works with the child now comes it becomes a mentorship support group for each other so that all a student now is helping all these students with academic challenges and the all e student is helping all a student with social issues that he or she may face uh, down the line so it really has become a of an invigorating opportunity to learn what we do to structure our program around kids needs versus around what orchards needs and around education, you had an amazing success story uh, that you shared with me before we recorded. I wish we were recorded at that time, but um, here, here we go again. Can you just uh, let our listeners know about this great story? Yeah, uh, we had a family that had several kids, I think six or seven of, of them, uh, and they were all removed as a result of some of the issues the family was facing, particularly around abuse, directly physical abuse, not only to the, the children, but to the mom. Uh, and then the, the, the addiction of the mom, they were removed. And the child came to us um, at seven years old, and he really became to flourish because of the support he was getting from his foster parents. And eventually, uh, and working, one thing that's important to note is that when a child comes to foster care, we don't uh, punish or make the families feel worse. We try to really empowered families to deal with the issues that led to it. In this case, it was substance abuse, and we really worked with the mom. And unfortunately, through some of the abuse, the uh, mom's brother, in his effort to protect her from the abuse of, of, of her husband, his father, he was killed. He was shot and killed in front of this child. Um, and that's obviously a traumatic event. You hear a lot of things about trauma, but we worked with this child through that trauma and got him to the point where he not, not only could deal with this, but also not allow it to be an excuse for his not being successful. He went on um, and re was returned to the mom uh, years later. Uh, so I don't want it to look like this is an overnight story. It was many, many years later, and he re they were all returned. Uh, he had a very good acronym for understanding of math. And so we honed that skill, and he ended up finding that that's what he wanted to do as a career. And several months ago, he, he, he became a doctor of uh, what is a um, PhD. And now he's one of the head of the math departments of Wayne State University. That's the kind of, uh, and his name is, he, he doesn't mind me sharing his name. His name is Daryl Gardner. And uh, his story has been told by many people and he's comfortable with people sharing the story because unfortunately, foster care and all those things have become stigmas people versus a strength-based type of situation 
I, I used the analogy of Gold's Gym when it was big and popular. Well, if you build like me, you start off in the back as you're working on developing you. But then in the windows, those guys with the muscle bound guys. And I'm thinking, okay, if we can promote physical health, why can't we promote emotional health? I mean, the strength that it took for this young man to see his dad being killed, um, to see his mom go through her substance abuse, to have to be pulled away from his brothers and sisters, to then several years after his uncle was, uh, was convicted of that crime, he actually was one of the people that testified in support of his uncle and the uncle actually stayed with him after, which that's a courage that I don't currently have, but I got more courage that now to, for him to be raising his own son, he's married, beautiful home. It just shows you if we allow children to, 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 to fill up what they don't have, we don't push them toward what they can have and what they can achieve. And Orchards will continue to do that. And we do that through our education program, which is the Orchards Promise Scholarship. And, and I tell you that that is most, of all the things that I've been able to accomplish in this thing called our career, nothing's more important to me than getting our kids educated. Nothing. Um, we know that that takes away um, some of the stigma, but more importantly, provides opportunities for them. And um, the scholarship program is for any child at the orchards. And, and we can't, we can, it's, it's funded through private donations. And, I, and I'll tell you, it's, it's, um, it's, it's so needed. Um, it changes kids' lives. And this is not just for your technical school, uh, whatever the child is interested in, because four-year college is not for everyone. But you know, maybe they get their associates, maybe they'll, they'll get uh, culinary but, and, and we've got children that have been very, very successful, but that, that account is always in a strain to, to meet the needs and the challenges because, again, we want to make sure that people understand that Orchards will, will steward their, their funds in a way it was intended. But that's the program that I, I can't emphasize enough. We need your support to make sure that every child is promised um, opportunity beyond their high school years. Just awesome, Michael. I mean, I've done almost 60 of these podcasts now, and I always like to close with a good story. That might be the best one <laughs> that I've ever heard. And I'm sure there's many more um, that you could share, but I kind of want to wrap this up. And um, you've, you've touched on it a little bit and teased it a little bit there. But for people that have listened to this and they want to donate either time or money or help out in, in any way with Orchards, uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, okay, again, your time, talent, treasures are much appreciated uh, in advance. Uh, the best way to do it is, is our website, which is orchards.org. Uh, and, and you can stroll down to whatever meets your interest, whether you're interested in a foster parent, if you're interested in, in volunteering, if you're interested in donating, all those options will be afforded to you through the website. Fantastic. Well, hey, thanks again for your time, Michael. You guys do amazing things. Uh, just really cool, man. So thanks for your time. Thank you, Ryan. And I'll send you an invite to our most uh, upcoming events. Very Love good. Thank you. Take care of yourself. And thanks for the opportunity to share orchards with, 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 uh, with your audience. Absolutely. Yeah.